this morning. Uh, we're going to uh, kick off a new sermon series looking at key New Testament figures. And uh, so I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul um, this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 3. This is quite possibly one of my favourite passages of uh, Scripture. It's Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 11. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and is safe for you. Look out for dogs, and look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate, thank you, the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God, the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law of the Pharisees, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I have, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by all that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It's a fascinating bit of scripture. Paul demonstrates this remarkable confidence and in this passage he kind of sets out his cv he says if anyone has confidence in the flesh i have more well what does he mean well back in the day paul was called saul his name changed after his conversion as saul he was circumcised on the eighth day in accordance to the jewish law he was of the people of israel he was a true israelite he was a tribe of Benjamin, which was the favoured tribe. It was the first of Israel's king. It's where the first of Israel's kings came from. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he spoke the right language. He was a pure breed. We also know that he was highly educated. He sat under Gamal, one of the chief rabbis. In Galatians, it says that he was advancing beyond all his peers in Judaism. He was zealous. He worked hard to the extent that he persecuted Christians because this church had begun and people were following Jesus and all of that. They were disobeying the rules and regulations of the law. He says, as for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. Paul, Saul did not put a single step wrong. He had the perfect CV. And then something happened. Something that shook his world and turned it upside down. 
Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was about to persecute the church and all of a sudden he meets the risen Jesus Christ in a vision. Jesus had died and ascended into heaven at this point. He was persecuting those who were telling people about the love and grace of Jesus. And this, he went around going, no, that's absolute rubbish. And he was on his way to the church when the person that he had been persecuting actually appeared to him. This Jesus really did rise from the dead. Jesus really was who he claimed to be. He was the Son of God and his kingdom is coming. And this kingdom that Jesus brings completely turns everything upside down and it turns Paul's world upside down. So much so that this is what he says in verse 7 and 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. In that instant, he meets Jesus Christ and says, that's it. What I've been missing my whole life is found in Jesus. Jesus is alive and this is true. And from there, he finds this confidence that is totally unshakable. Paul, right at the time of writing this letter, was in the midst of being in prison. And he doesn't care. He starts off with saying rejoice. He can rejoice because he's met Jesus. The only secure thing. He says put your confidence in him. Paul is talking about strengthening our faith. Who we are, what we believe. And he gives us two insights into how we're to do that. How we are to share in this confidence in Christ that Paul has. And the first of all, he says we need to receive God's grace. And that's something that happens every single day. Verse 8 to 9, Paul says this, I count everything as lost. He's talking about his past, his life before. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And of course, we, you know, it's been said many times before, there are two ways of relating to God. One is religion and the other is relationship. Religion typically says, the harder I work, the more I do, the more I read my Bible, the more I go to church, the more I try to love people, the more I try to be a good person, the more God will love me. Relationship says, God loves me whatever I do. So I want to spend more time with him. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to love people because I want to grow in my relationship with him. They are very, very different and yet so easily can get confused. Paul had been living in religion. He said he'd done the best, he was the best he could possibly be. He was surpassing everyone else. He was nailing it when it came to achieving what he felt God wanted him to achieve. And then he met Jesus. 
and realised he'd got completely the wrong idea. Because actually, no matter how hard any of us try to reach the level of God, we're not going to get there. We see how easily we fall short. You know, and we can see that, can't we? Often we can look at our spouses and we see the errors in their ways and the things that they get wrong. We can see it in our friends, in our colleagues, people who are different from us. We see that in them. And the reality is we see other people's flaws, but we're all flawed, each one of us. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts this passage in the message version of the Bible. He says, we couldn't carry this off by our own merit, and we know it. By our own merit, we can't do any of it. But this is the wonderful message of the Gospels. This is the wonderful message of Jesus. That we can't do it, but Jesus can, and he has. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God paid the price on the cross. He's done the work so that we can receive his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, all for free. It's completely free. It doesn't make any sense at all. But it's the best deal we're ever going to get. We don't have to strive. We don't have to work. We don't have to earn anything. He loves us because he loves us because he loves us. And that knowledge changes us from the inside out. When you know, when you really, really know how much God loves you, how much Jesus has done for you, there is this confidence, there is this strengthening that we won't want to go back to our former way of living. And every day we have to remind ourselves and remember that the grace of God is free for us and bought at the price of Jesus. Because so easily we can slip in to the motions of religion doing the right things, trying to do this, working in our own strength. But when we remember every day, every day, that it is the grace of God that sustains us, then there is nothing we would rather do than spend time with him and his people, wanting to worship him, wanting to pray, wanting to spend time with him. Religion will kill our relationship with God and other people, and Paul knows it. So how do we get that confidence that we don't lose or misplace? Well, of course, we receive that grace every day. A while ago, I shared with you, every, on, my, in, on my mirror in my bathroom, I have a little post-it note that, that says, uh, I am forgiven. I am a child of God. I'm freely welcome into God's perspective, into God's presence. It's three little things. I am forgiven. I'm a child of God and I'm freely welcomed into God's presence. And every day when I'm brushing my teeth, I look at that and say it to myself. And you get the splatter on the mirror afterwards. 
But I say it to myself. I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am freely welcomed into his presence. And I have to do that because otherwise I forget. Otherwise I go about my day and I forget. But those, just reminding myself of those three simple statements changes the whole perspective of my day. But to remember and receive God's grace every day. The second thing Paul encourages us to do is to seek God's face every day. That's what he writes in verse 10. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know about him. I don't want to read about him. I want to know him. And there's something different, isn't there, between knowing someone personally and knowing about someone. We can have all these sorts of ideas of who Jesus might be. We might read books, study theology, but actually knowing Jesus personally for ourselves. Paul had studied everything, but he had this misconception of Jesus. And then he met Jesus, and he realized he was completely different to what he perceived. Do you know Jesus? Maybe you got to know Jesus when you first became a Christian. But actually over the years you've drifted a little bit. It's about knowing him personally every day. Paul says, I want to know Christ. What I find fascinating about this is that this isn't Paul writing when he's on the road to Damascus or just received his sight back. This is years and years and years later. This is in the later years of Paul's life. And even here, even Paul, when he had been like going around telling everyone about Jesus, getting chucked in prison, writing the most astounding theology that we have today, even with all those insights, with all that knowledge, Paul still says, when he's an older guy, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him personally. I want to get to know him better. Paul, with all his knowledge, still says, I want to know Jesus more. Well, how, how can we do that? How can we get to know Jesus more? Well, worship is a great example. What happens when we worship is that our attention is lifted off of ourselves, the things we're facing, and we are positioned into facing God. And when we sing those songs that we've been singing, our God is greater, our God is healer, all those things, we kind of, it changes us. We remind ourselves, yeah, God, you are, you are in charge. You are sovereign. You do reign. It puts our perspective in the right place. We can also get to know Jesus more by the Bible, reading it every single day, remembering who Jesus is, meeting him face to face through the passages that we read. As we read the scriptures, it puts strength back into us. We know that despite whatever is going on, God's word never 
changes. We can know about God's character. We can also strengthen our strengthen ourselves by prayer, talking to Jesus, getting to know him. It builds our confidence in who he is. When he answers a prayer, we think, crikey, you do listen. They're not just hitting the ceilings. These three, as we, as we delve into worship and the Bible and prayer, we get to know Jesus more. Because in that, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's the power of that Holy Spirit working in you when you worship, when you read the scriptures, when you pray, that bring life and confidence. As we feed on these things, we encounter Jesus. We ask the Holy Spirit to enable us to, to stand, to be strengthened, to know Jesus more. And then Paul says, if we focus on Jesus, then we will get through difficult times. He says in this passage, I want to know the fellowship of Christ and share in his sufferings. It's a little bit weird, isn't it? To share in Christ's sufferings. It's not that we want to suffer, but there is a reality of life. And the Christian life is that there will be suffering. When I watch videos like we've just watched explaining them, persecution in North Korea. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that I live in this country, that I'm able to do that. The challenges and the pain that we face are different to that, almost in comparison seem very small and insignificant. But we're told there will be challenges, there will be pain. It is the world that we live in. And when you go through that, Going through it with Jesus makes it much easier. Because Christ suffered himself. He knows what it's like to suffer and he is in you. You will experience the power of the Holy Spirit that will help you through those times of trouble and it will give you that eternal perspective. Paul says, attaining to the resurrection of the dead. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, you rose from the dead and therefore defeated death. It means that our greatest fear and foe has been defeated already. Paul puts his absolute confidence in all that Jesus says he is. Back in the past, before he really knew who Jesus was, he put his confidence in all sorts of things. His family line, his intelligence, his thorough breed of Jewishness and it was all shattered when he met Jesus. We can put our confidence in lots of things and some of those things are good things but they're nothing compared to the confidence that we can have in Christ. Getting to know him every day. Knowing him more that we may grow more like him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Apostle Paul. We thank you that he wrote so many influential things that are in our scriptures that were breathed by your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the example of faith he is. Father, we thank you for the lessons that his writings can teach us to this. <clears throat> 
Father, we look at the, the confidence that Paul had in you. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you develop that confidence in us, that we may have a true confidence in Christ that cannot be shaken, that cannot be taken off. Father, for those of us that feel like we've nailed it, we're doing all right at the knowing Jesus thing. Holy Spirit, shake us up. Increase our hunger in us to know Jesus more. Father, for those of us that are going through a tough time, that are struggling to have confidence in your Son, Holy Spirit, will you come and set our perspective on who Jesus is. Help us to worship and grow in him every day. Help us to see his face as we seek him through the various things that we do and say. Father, help us to know the glory of Christ, that we may see everything else as as rubbish compared to the knowledge of your Son. Holy Spirit, would you be with us today and the rest of the week. Illuminate Jesus over our situations and our lives that we may know him and the power of his resurrection. 